0: Everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB. AM 860. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be here every week with some wonderful women in the Philadelphia area who are doing some great things and, and come in and share their stories with us. We're going to have a great show today. I have a wonderful woman in studio with me, and her name is Denise Devine. And Denise is the founder and CEO of Nutrifarm Incorporated and also founder and CEO of Fruze Brands. Thanks so much for coming in today, Denise. Thank you,
1: Susan. Happy to be here.
0: Um, as I always do, we're going to start out talking a little bit about you and, and your background. And I'm excited because we have met before, um, but we talked mostly about business. And I'd love to hear a little bit about where you grew up and uh, a little bit about your family.
1: Sure. Um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, uh, close to Hershey. Uh, very lovely place to grow up in farm country. Um, I am the very youngest of five children. Um, they're my closest sibling to me is 11 years older. Wow. Um, so I had, you know, a wonderful, uh, uneventful childhood. Um, uneventful two, with five children. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm yes. guessing not. Uh, two brothers and two sisters. Okay. So that, that was, yes.
0: And how about school? Where did you go to elementary school?
1: Elementary school. I went yeah. to St. Mary's Elementary School. Okay. And uh, Lebanon Catholic High School. Mm-hmm.
0: And tell me a little bit about the activities that you were involved in in high school as a young woman, because I, you know, I'm really curious to see where your ambition came from and uh, how it all got started. OK,
1: well, I guess that's a good way to put it. I've always been very involved <laughs> in everything and anything. Um I was a class officer. I was always in student council. I was a cheerleader. Oh, <laughs> I was in a number of clubs. So, yes, I've always been a joiner, so to speak. Right.
0: And I guess someone who wanted to um, be a part of, of, of making decisions. and
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so um, when you got out of high school, tell me what your very first job was.
1: My very first job. Um, well, I worked uh, as a waitress at Hotel Hershey. Oh, great. Um, and in terms of high school, right? Right after high school. Yeah. And then uh, in summers, uh, first two summers through college, I worked there. And I also worked actually in the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Factory, mm, which was funny. a wonderful job for college <laughs> students. Um, they paid very well. Right. And it certainly, I guess that's where I got the food bug, so to speak. It gave you a real bird's eye view and appreciation of manufacturing operations and the people that work there because, you know, uh, factories are noisy places. And, you know, the people that spend eight hours a day there, um, they do hard work and you know, it's not the most glamorous job, but at right. the end of the day, there's something tangible they're producing, so. right? And
0: that's a big company that would yes. really give you a good sense of how businesses are. Yes. And were you in the factory, or I was in the factory. Role? Oh, okay.
1: oh I, I, from high school, as right. Before I graduated from college, yes, um, yes. They hired high school students to fill in for people on the lines when they went to vacation. Okay. So every day you'd be on a different line, and so you'd really get your hands dirty, so to speak, as to right. how things really worked right. in, in the plant.
0: Right. And um, what what would you say was the one thing you learned from that job that you took with you?
1: Um, Just, I guess, an appreciation for uh, education and. uh, (laughs) Right. But also, you know, an appreciation for understanding the nuts and bolts of a business, I think. And not just sitting in an office in an ivory tower somewhere. Mm
0: hmm. So then you went on to Villanova which I happens did. to be my alma mater yes. as well and I will um, I'd like to point out that you graduated first in your class which is extremely impressive yes. and um, you you
1: majored in accounting I did and what kinds of things were you involved in at Villanova um, Some academic societies um, you know just... Typical things. I was on the dance team. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you have a
0: creative side. And I do and have a, a business side. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Um, yeah. So you know, a number of different academic societies, I guess, and, and honor societies. Yes.
0: Yeah. And did you always have? So you were an accounting major.
1: I was an accounting right. major. Um, I actually. Uh, Took a lot of my uh, electives in the in the science uh, sciences, believe it or not. So I kind of ended up with a minor in chemistry, uh, so to speak. Yeah, um, I don't know. I always just had an interest in in science as well. But yes, I was an accounting major.
0: OK, I, I just want to go back for a second. I, I meant to ask you um, if your mom worked outside the house.
1: Um, she did periodically, but not after I was born. But not, not, uh, she worked in a factory, actually. Okay, she
0: did. Mm -hmm. And how about dad? What did he
1: do? He was a tool and die maker. So a skilled, uh, he worked for Bethlehem Steel most of his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My parents were, um, well, I'm second generation American. So my grandparents actually came over in the uh, early 1900s. From? From uh, my father's family from Germany Mm -hmm. and my mother's from Hungary. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: is there is there a line of women in the family that um, worked to the level that you did?
1: No, I don't. Not really. <laughs> I, don't, I guess I, I'm I'm a little different. But I, I will say that my father just so valued education. I mean, he just he was a brilliant man who was you know never had the benefit of education beyond eighth grade. Actually, wow. And read constantly mm-hmm. and was very very smart. But uh, he just totally valued education. And that was sort of his number one wish for all his children.
0: Right. But it's more, you know, when I look at you and I look at the accomplishments, um, you have quite an entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. Right. Is that something that that was always in you that you felt um, you much prefer to work on your own rather than for somebody yeah, else?
1: You know, it's interesting. I never viewed myself that way, but in uh, hindsight, as I'm looking over, um, Some of the things I've done along the way before I started a company, I I started to realize that, yes, I was very entrepreneurial in spirit. Um, I never thought that, you know, my burning desire was to start a company or run a company. Um, But as I look back, I've always been involved in uh, paving new paths, Mm -hmm. uh, pushing the envelope, whether inside a company or out, uh, always been involved in a number of different things at once, which is sort of something that you have to be able to do um, if, right. you're, if you're starting a business. So in hindsight, I think I have always been entrepreneurial in spirit. Yes. Yeah.
0: And tell me about what, what were some of the challenges that you faced as a young girl? Uh, we talk a lot in here about self-esteem and confidence. And it's something that I think young women struggle with um, simply because historically men have been in the yeah. positions of, of running companies. And um, how did you deal with that?
1: You know, I don't I don't consciously remember having any issues in that regard as a young girl in high school because I did, growing up in a smaller town and uh, going to a small high school, there were only, it was a co-ed high school, um, only 110 uh, in my graduating class. Oh, that's small. It was a a small community. Um, So I I can't say that I really consciously can think of any situation where I felt that, that there was an issue right. um, because of gender.
0: Yeah. So so you just had a belief in yourself and d- it didn't matter whether you were working with men or women or... No,
1: I don't... That didn't really ever... I never consciously felt yeah. a difference. That's wonderful. That. Yeah.
0: Um, so I understand when you graduated, your first company, your first job was with Arthur Anderson. It was. Which everyone yes. has heard of. Yes. <laughs> and how was that... How were those couple of years for you?
1: It was great. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a great place to start. Um, they provide wonderful training for their employees Um, it's also a large organization like that is is wonderful for someone uh, just out of college because there's so many people your age and uh, it's just you're exposed to a lot a lot of different types of companies and it was really it was a wonderful experience and it really was a travesty what happened to Arthur Anderson
0: yeah so how many years were you there Uh, almost four almost four okay and um, how did it come about that you ended up with Campbell Soup Company?
1: Well, um, I was uh, actually, I when I left Arthur Anderson, I spent some time, I was recruited to uh, Columbia Gas System in Wilmington, Delaware, which at the time was the, large, the world's largest integrated public utility, meaning they had, you know, uh, gas drilling operations all the way through the regulated utility side of the business. Um, and I was... Um, Recruited as a uh, tax manager there, and I did all the the system tax research and planning, and um, quickly decided that I really did not enjoy the utility side of the business. Um, but I, then a, a, a recruiter called me at the time uh, for Campbell's, and uh, interestingly enough, I was pregnant, and I, you know, I. Wasn't going to help me any. It was early on, but I told the recruiter right away. I said, "You know, I don't. You know, I just want you to know." And she said, "Well, you know, let's give it a shot." And uh, <laughs> and when I had the interview there, I I told them immediately, and the response was, "Well, we have a daycare center. You know, what's the issue?" Really, and that's... so I thought, "Oh, this is the company <laughs> for yeah, me."
0: <laughs> that's fantastic, and that that I think, uh, you know, what year was that?
1: That was early. Well, on uh, mid eighties
0: in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder if that was the beginning of, of companies looking to Oh it to was. I think yeah. I think
1: Campbell's was one of the first uh, companies to have an on site daycare center and the story goes that it came about because uh, the CEO at the time, Gordon McGovern, used to have these round tables with with employees, all different at random. And apparently in one of these round tables, a woman said, You know, why you know, have you ever thought about a daycare center? And he said, you know the the story goes. He said, "No, but I don't see why not." And oh, then, good. then boom! <laughs> wow! So he <laughs> yeah. was open to it immediately. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was one of the first companies to I have think. an on-site daycare. So, okay. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. I guess he saw the the um, you know the positive aspect of that is that you know women who are having children and working there, if they're going to be able to come to work with them, it's going to just yeah. you know be so convenient and probably it avoid is. a lot of.
1: But uh, an interesting thing, I, I sort of had a mi- mission with regard to that too, which did. was I quickly found out that uh, even though there was, and it was supported by the CEO, that the, the executives in the company viewed it as a frivolous benefit for secretaries primarily. Okay. And okay, so. so I felt very committed as you know, uh, a professional and executive at the company to use that center because I wanted to prove. And interestingly enough, did my own little survey and found out that half of the people that used that daycare center were men whose wives were employed elsewhere. Oh, interesting. So um, sort of... Raise the awareness right. of that fact. Right. <laughs> so, so to make sure that that daycare the whole center world was, needs daycare, yeah, right. right? That's right.
0: I mean, come on. Right. So, so oh, tell me about your family then. So, how many children do you I have? I have? Three
1: children. You have three. Yes. And can yes. you tell
0: me what they're what they're up to? What oh, sure. Doing? So,
1: my oldest daughter, um, who is is very much like me. She's you know an academic overachiever and, and driven. Um, following a bit of the same path. Uh, she she works for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Okay, and good. Doing very well. Um, she was in New York for several years and then decided to move back to Philadelphia, which, which she did, so it's nice to have her nearby. Right. Uh, my son <clears throat> lives in San Diego, mm-hmm. and he actually uh, <laughs> took a different path. And uh, he he's a very good writer, and he uh, was an English major and now uh, is working on his second startup, um, a company called Empowered, uh, in, in San Diego and what they do is, uh, online education and he's got a very interesting job because he's sort of the, he works on content and he's sort of the go between, uh, between the content and the, Academics and the technology piece. So he's learning the technology, but he, you know, he's using his his uh, writing communication skills. So it's very very exciting.
0: Yeah, and that's a huge up and coming field. Yeah. Wow, what yeah. a great yeah. I mean, that's really yeah. So um... the
1: first company he worked with uh, on online education, uh, Bridgepoint uh, Education, went public while he was there, and then he was recruited to this new startup, Empowered. So it's very exciting, and they're doing the same thing, but they are actually associated with UCLA and Berkeley. So they're oh, working with terrific. some very wonderful schools. Yeah, yeah.
0: and would this and is this online um, uh, equivalent to a four year university? Yeah, education? they do
1: the courses uh, that are run through like UCLA okay. or Berkeley for certain in certain areas of curriculum.
0: Right. Yes, and at a a le- much less uh, cost question. Yes, cushion. yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and my third. Your yes, third. My third? Let's not third. leave out someone. No, no.
1: <laughs> so my youngest daughter uh, is in high school, locally at Academy of Notre Dame. Yes, she's going to be a junior.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So still one in high school. Still one in oh, high school. Oh, that's so great. Yes. Um, okay. So I, I, we're kind of going back and forth, yes. but I want to make sure we get the whole picture of you and... Um, uh, so you were with Campbell Soup for how many years? Uh, almost seven. Almost seven. Yeah. And then I'm assuming at that point um, you started to have some aspirations for owning your own company.
1: <clears throat> well, it it, it wasn't uh, – the company was sort of a product of, of my aspirations, which were uh, actually related at the time to my son, who um, was a constant juice drinker at the time. And um, this was long before – all the studies came out that, that, you know, told us the problems of even 100% fruit juice for young children, because it really just breaks down to so, uh, simple sugars. right? And, um, you know, my son would drink a gallon of juice a day if I'd let him. And, um, you know, I started noticing issues in his eating habits. And uh, at the time, I said, mm, you know, something's wrong here. And I started looking around and I started, you know, realizing that there really weren't a whole lot of good choices for young children at the time and you know the big food companies weren't addressing the issue and there I was an executive in a big food company I was a frustrated consumer myself I couldn't find what I wanted for my own son
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so I was just you know I just came up with some ideas about you know what I would want a ideal nutritional beverage to look like for a young child i.e. my son who you know would have really uh a very nutritional profile than a very different nutritional profile than just juice, but would make him think that he's getting the juice that he loves. Right, so, right. <laughs> so that's what started the whole thing, and I, um, I started working with some chemists associated with Cornell University, and I went to them with some ideas, and I really was I started doing a lot of research on whole foods and whole grains in particular, and, and was very very interested in the tr- nutritional benefits, and so I wanted to start. Um, the development of this beverage from the ground up very different way, like starting with a base of whole food, whole grains, um, and then flavoring it with fruit um, to come up with a consistency that looked and tastes like juice. So that's what, that's what started the whole thing, and that's what I started working on. And one thing led to another, and then it just... Ballooned it's ballooned.
0: From there. Well, That's so that's so uh, remarkable to yes. me that you you know we all face challenges within our day and uh, wish we had this or wish this worked differently but the fact that you actually followed through with that idea and were determined to come up with something that was going to fit the needs not and i'm sure you knew not only for you and your something right. for families all over
1: well i just you know i have I'm a very typical person. You know what goes on in my household goes on sure. probably in everybody. Right, so that's right. why I thought you know there's probably a lot of people out there feeling as frustrated as me. Right. But so. you said
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out and come up with something yeah. better. I'm curious. Did you see? Did you think a lot of those sugars were making him a little bit hyperactive? Yeah.
1: Well, a combination of things. Hyperactive. He would fill up on the juice and eat one of two things. Or or be a finicky eater. Or the other, if he was eating, he would just pile on extra calories by drinking more, you know, juice.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about NutriFarm Incorporated and what it's all about. Do you know Saltzmatkov? Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation, and aviation? products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction. We are Salts Matkov and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. For a free consultation, contact us at 484-318-7225 or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com. That's S A L T Z Matkov.com: large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need serving pennsylvania new jersey and delaware call 484-318-7225 or go to saltsmatkov.com
3: want your home to look great for company from out of town moving to a new place or just want the satisfaction of a clean healthy home Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for the job. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia over 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow to the number one cleaning tool in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you.
2: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the Mutual Fund Store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your Mutual Fund Store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norrington and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We are here uh, this week with Denise Devine, who is founder and CEO of NutriFarm Incorporated and also founder and CEO of Brand. I'm sorry, Fruz Brands. <laughs> That's tough to say. Um, both of which are companies that are um, really devoted to developing Uh, healthy snacks for children, healthy snacks and beverages, and um, Denise has come up with some really remarkable products. Um, Just before the break, we were discussing how Denise actually came from the idea and the concept for NutraFarm to actually making it happen, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about what those first steps were. Sure. Um,
1: So, on the the actual business side, that was kind of an easy thing for me because I am a CPA by training, and you know I, I have all I've worked with a number of attorneys. So you know, in terms of actually getting the corporation set up, and that that was kind of easy for me. But it's a fairly easy process. I mean, you, w- you I would highly recommend you use an attorney to do that.
0: Is it isn't is it, is it a, a shorter? I understand you know finding patents and, and setting up. Well, that's up a different story.
1: Okay, because I know totally that can take a long. time. No, setting up a company is easy. Okay. And, you can do that quickly and inexpensively Um, the operations and everything else is the hard part Okay. Okay. (laughs) so um, so, you know here I was I had this idea for initial products Um, I am not a nutritionist I am not a food scientist so I didn't have a clue as to how to do it in a way that would be commercially viable so it's very different creating something you know in in the kitchen or at the bench you know the 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 chemist bench and and actually have something that will work in a full-blown, scaled-up production run in a factory. That's okay. two different things. So um, so you really need a professional to, to help you along the way there. Um, so I um, uh, Cornell has a wonderful food science department. Um, I called the chairman of the department. He recommended working with the International Food Network, which is affiliated with Cornell, Um, And they they are housed in their tech park. And that's who I started working with. And I went to them with ideas, very specific ideas, and asked them to execute them on a contract basis. um, So paid for their services. Um, I think I was very lucky to find the right group to work with because one of the the food scientists there, a woman, happened to be an herbal gardener and was very into organics and, and healthy nutrition. And I think, you know, she worked on... On it longer than than the average. uh, She was excited. She was excited, and um, it was really groundbreaking at the time because we were really talking about looking at beverages a whole new way. And um, you know, so one thing led to another, and they basically said to us, "Well, getting whole grains in a smooth, palatable, drinkable juice-like form is very difficult, and we think there's new technology here, and we started looking into it and." One thing led to another, and we ended up with a core um, uh, technology platform, which was compositions of utilizing whole grains or whole vegetables in a number of non-solid formats. So that's what the technology was. We ended up with, uh, between the U.S. and foreign patents, 19 patents around around those things. And um, so then I started with uh, test marketing the Beverage and quickly found out that the market was not ready for these oh. things. <laughs> um, so we, uh, so then I said, okay, well, we'll just we'll just keep the R and D company and we'll go to work to try to see the extent of the technology and what we can do with it. And we ended up developing probably eight products in various forms of of commercialization, either you know um, uh, test market or full blown uh, scaled up production. Um, worked with other companies to develop um, some line extensions for them. I actually uh, developed an over-the-counter pharmaceutical that I licensed to uh, two very large pharmaceutical companies. So that's what we were doing um, around the time when we were waiting for the market to catch up to some of the products that I really wanted to launch for children. <laughs> so,
0: so does each product have to have a separate patent? No, no. You... Uh,
1: it's uh, Our patents are composition patents, which means that any product that includes the elements of the composition is covered by the patent. It can be in any form. The product could be in any form. It could be a beverage. It could be a sauce. It could be a powder. It could be, but it, as long as the elements of that composition were in there, okay, it would be covered by the patent, which is different from a process patent, which we also had, but process patents means the way that a product is made. So if it's made according to these steps, that's what the patent covers, as opposed okay. to, like a composition patent would be something like um um, like uh, Nutrasweet or Splenda, that's composition because mm-hmm. that is elements of ingredients together right. in a certain way. That's that's patentable.
0: Okay, we could probably do a whole show yes. on patents. Right? <laughs> yes. I, I'm always wanting yes. to learn more and
1: more about yeah. that. But that's so that's the expen- that you know it's it's expensive and it takes a long time right. to get products to get patents issued. And then you know it takes a long time if you're way ahead of the market and you know. Um, consumers aren't ready. But I really think, you know, my patents really did did lead the way for all this whole new group of, you know, different beverages that are out there now. Yeah, you know that fantastic. The, yeah. So
0: I, going back for a second, when you can anyone pick up the phone and call Cornell and say, Hey, I have an idea. Oh, I or think were you so. able to you think so, no, Oh no, I think
1: you yeah. I mean I think yeah. I, I mean I just called the chairman of the department. I said, I you know, I have these ideas, I'm looking for some food scientists to work with. Um, And I was thinking, you know, maybe university-based would be more cost-effective, and he recommended uh, this this other group. Um, Working with universities is fine. We did a lot of work with Penn State, actually, when it came time to – we also developed a – a completely non-dairy ice cream alternative and we worked with um, the creamery at Penn State which was great the people up there are wonderful and they have a pilot plant so you can go up there and you can do small runs to test and mm-hmm. and it was great um the only you know the trade-off working with the university is it's usually a, a slower timeline because you have to fit into you know their their ability to do it you know because they have their own their own research their yes. etc but it's wonderful, and it's very cost effective if you can work with a university so um you know in in the food area, you know we're we're fortunate to have Penn State, and I understand that Rutgers also is a very very uh uh, robust food science uh, program as well.
0: Right. And I, I would imagine more and more are jumping on the bandwagon now because, the, you know, people are demanding it.
1: Yes, right. They're, they're looking yes, for the it. Yes, the world has changed. Yes, it <laughs> for has. For sure. We've
0: gotten a little smarter. Yeah. <laughs> what are we eating? Um, so tell me, um, so now you've got the company going and you you have the uh, some of the products. What is it? Um, what are you doing when you're test marketing the products? What is that about?
1: Uh, Well, you would take a product into, uh, say, one grocery store chain or just a few stores even and just get a read, you know, on the shelf whether people uh, are receptive to it. Mm -hmm. And one of the early issues that we had um, with our juice was that it was um, it was in a juice box. And so people were expecting, you know, just juice. And they were expecting, you know, and, and ours was more, I would say, a little bit closer to a smoothie consistency. Um, so it was a little thicker. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was, you know, as a small company with no, you know, not doing any marketing, it, you know, it's, we relied on people just to notice us on the and, shelf. And what so. was
0: the name at that point? What, what was the brand?
1: Oh, the uh, the test market brand name was also Fruice, but spelled differently. It okay. was F-R-U-I-C-E, closer to oh, juice even. yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, that sort of led into the, the new name for brand, spelled differently, and I'll explain that when we get okay. to it. <laughs> okay. Yes.
0: Now, what year was this, that this, all this experimenting was going on?
1: Early, early 2000s, I okay. would say, yeah.
0: Okay. So you had these products and with NutraFarm, and now NutraFarm Incorporated, um, at that time, did they come up with a um, – I'm not sure how to uh, – Ask this question, but was there some type of ingredients that was going to be in all of the different products?
1: Um, no, the only the only uh, thing that we were committed to was to have a whole food base in the product, which would be some form of grain or vegetable. Okay,
0: so it wasn't the same. Um,
1: no, it wasn't pro- like right ingredients
0: mm-hmm. in all. Of and that the different was that's products.
1: part that was part of the beauty of of what we discovered. And even after the patents, there's significant significant know how that we have around using, working with this whole food in non-solid forms. And the beauty of it is if you're looking for a specific nutritional profile in an end product and we know that, for example, you know, brown rice will deliver that or broccoli will deliver that or, you know, we can work with that whole food element and incorporate it into a very palatable, uh, very, you know, uh, pleasing, tasty and product where you'd never even know it was in there is one
0: of the challenges when you're trying to develop something that is holistic, organic, healthy. Um, preservatives, in other words, a lot of the foods that we've been eating for years and years contain the preservatives so that it can sit on the shelf yeah. for a certain length of time. So, how did you um, how did you battle that?
1: Well, the product lines that we're involved in, and this is now like with with fruist brands on the practical side of. Um, for kids, obviously, um, beverages in aseptic juice boxes are – the aseptic process is a heating process, and they are aseptically sealed. So there's no issue with, with – pres- you don't need preservatives. You don't need it. okay. it's, it's just, you know, the, the product is in there, and it's completely sterile environment. Um, and then the other products that we have now, the uh, healthy gummy snacks are not um, – we don't use preservatives, and we have – you know, the shelf life is, is fine. We okay. don't need – There's no issues with that in the product lines that we're in. Okay. And
0: has the product, for you personally, um, were you always interested in developing product lines for children specifically?
1: I was. I mean, and that's why, you know, when I saw the market starting to change, um, I sort of got back to my core, which was my passion around children's health. And I, I like to say, you know, I've been talking and working on childhood obesity far longer than it's been fashionable <laughs> uh, you know and and you know now it is part of the national conversation and there is a lot of uh, initiatives money being thrown at it and um, you know we're, we're starting to see small changes which is great but we still really haven't moved that needle that far and I really believe that until we start to develop products that actually fit into real people's lives, you know, we're not going to see a change. And what I mean by that is, you know, fresh is always best, and there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as people would like to always eat that way, you know, we're busy, families are busy, and always on the go. And so, unless you know, so we decided when when we thought it was you know time to really build a build a a company around uh, better products for kids to really focus on products that were in the fun, familiar formats that kids loved, mm-hmm. but with the convenience and nutritional value that parents require. So the convenience factor, I think, is huge. That's right. And um, also, you know, we wanted to deliver a nutritional value. And although we're 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 in Whole Foods and we're natural and all those good things, um, you know, we don't want to be the most expensive thing on the shelf either. Right. Um, we want it to be accessible to everyday people. Right. You know, so. Kathy
0: and I were discussing this before the show, before you came in, and I told her who my guest was and what we were going to be talking about. And that is a big challenge, that mm-hmm. um, we are busier today than we have been. And so you want to grab the thing that is most convenient and quick because we don't have time to, right. to cook and prepare. And that's what you do with the you know all-natural foods. Yes. Um, but there is a huge... Um, issue in our country with not only obesity but th- the diabetes yes is on the rise right um t- me- we'
1: well we're very conscious of of all kinds of special needs actually um for a number and that's kind of personal as well i mean i my, my husband's diabetic I'm very familiar with you know diabetes and um uh we are very i'm you know very gratified when I get calls from parents who who tell me, oh my gosh, you know, your products are a godsend because these are the only products that my diabetic daughter can like drink or eat when her sugar is not low. And then part of the reason is because although there is some sugar, very low sugar in our products, we do have the whole grains and we do have um, fiber. And so the glycemic um, response is, is very, very positive in our products. So that's, you know, and it's all about management there for diabetics. The other side, um, I happen to have twin nephews that are autistic, and from that I learned all about uh, gluten and mm-hmm. the effect of gluten. Uh, you know, for some some children with autism, gluten can you know gluten free diets helps. Um, and then started to read about uh, celiac disease and uh, you know understand the issues there. So decided that all our products were going to be um, gluten free and allergen free and very low in sugar and and so. You know, but they're they're formulated to appeal to mainstream anybody. It just right. so happens that they also meet the dietary needs of those who have some special issues.
0: Yeah, there's so much talk. Um I I, I can't be in a group of adults actually not talking about the gluten-free everyone is going that way i wonder what your opinion is i
1: know you're not a doctor but you know i have i'm glad you brought that up because i i am i'm on the board of the national foundation for celiac awareness which by by the way happens to be in philadelphia it's right here yes alice alice bass who's wonderful wonderful a real uh pioneer herself She is. yes and you know she is uh, you know one of her missions now is is uh you know, to make people understand that that people that have celiac disease or real gluten intolerance is a it's a real medical issue. Yes. And a lot of people are just are using it falsely as a diet, which just is not correct. And you really can't. It's not you won't lose weight. You know, just doing a gluten-free diet. It's not something to be employed as a weight loss technique. No. Yeah. It's,
0: it's more about the way you feel it's without that It's about the protein. way you
1: feel. And yes. some people have a sensitivity to it and some don't. And mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, you're perfectly fine eating gluten. I have no gluten sensitivity yeah. at so all. I'm pretty
0: sure I have a, a, a small sensitivity. Sensitivity to right. it. Um, I was actually tested for celiac, right. but I do not have it. Um, but I've always noticed right. over the years.
1: But what is interesting is all the autoimmune diseases, diabetes, autism, uh, celiac—they're all on the same chromosome. And there's incredible work research being done right now about this and you know what triggers these, what environmental triggers you know set off these these chromosomes to to, you know, manifest in these diseases.
0: Yeah, I, I always wonder, is it something that's new to, you know, our generation or even one previous generation, or has it always been a factor and uh, the, the research just wasn't there?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, all the diseases definitely have a genetic component and an environmental trigger, and that's the issue. Are there more environmental factors that are triggering these, you know, incidents? Right.
0: Because there's clearly things in our yes. environment that were not around before. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be back in the studio with Denise Devine. Hi. Uh. Do you know salts Matkov? Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation and aviation, products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction? We are Salt's Matkov and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. For a free consultation contact us at 484-318-7225 or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com that's s-a-l-t-z-m-a-t-k-o-v.com large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need serving pennsylvania new jersey and delaware call 484-318-7225 or Or go to saltsmatkov.com.
3: Want your home to look great for company from out of town? Moving to a new place? Or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for the job. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie Spray Mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia over 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow to the number one cleaning tool in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you.
2: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the Mutual Fund Store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your Mutual Fund Store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norrington and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Women to Watch on WWDB AM 860. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm happy to be in the studio today with Denise Devine, who is founder and CEO of NutraFarm Incorporated, as well as founder and CEO of Fruz Brands. And we're going to really uh, get into Fruz Brands um, towards the end of the show here and and talk about how that came to be underneath the umbrella of of NutraFarm. And, of course, I'd love to know how the name Fruz Brands
1: came about, because... Okay, so uh, when it became apparent, as I said, that the market was getting ready for the kind of products that we had, I, I wanted to get back to my real passion, which was children's nutrition. And um, so we established, we decided that it needed a real dedicated effort um, because Nutriform was really more of an R&D company and, and sort of... And um,
0: when you say R&D, what does that refer to?
1: Well, it means, to, it, you know, we, we, we had our technology and we were using it to develop products. And then we were working with... Other companies to help them with line extensions or we were developing a product and licensing it to other companies. So we were not we were not uh, marketing products to consumers on our own. Okay. Um, So when it became apparent that that we thought the market was ready and the childhood obesity issue was really now part of the national conversation and people were getting serious about it. Um, we decided to set up Fruce Brands as a separate company, completely separately funded, separate investors, new, you know, complete new team. Um, and then we we started the effort, changed the name uh, spelling from the original test market many, many years ago, the F-R-U-I-C-E. We changed it to F-R-O-O-S-E um, for two reasons. Uh, one, uh, it's it's a made up name like Google. So it could stretch to other products. With the UICE, it sounded too much like juice beverage. And we did not want to be pigeonholed there as a brand name. Mm-hmm. And then we have this little mascot, Milton the Fruce Moose. So it's a moose oh, and it I rhymes haven't with seen him yet. Oh, he's a doll. <laughs> he's a rock star when he goes into the, into these tours. A lot of fun. We have a lot of fun with, with Milton. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's how it came about. And, um Yes, yeah, so we started to market products, um, and we're trying to roll them out and get more placements in, you know, in conventional grocery stores and natural, yeah, as well.
0: Now, when you're trying to come up with, um, I mean. Uh, the creative side of branding and and coming up with the logos and all of that that's so fun. Are you do you enjoy that part of the process? Oh yeah, I enjoy
1: that. Of yeah. course. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how when you're t- talking about uh, the mascot and how did it come to be? Were you sitting at a table and saying, you know, what type of character would relate well to children?
1: Um, you know, I I guess that was part of it, uh-huh. and and just you know something that would work with Fruce, the name Fruce, so moose right away, right? And um, you know, yeah. So we get we had a creative person uh, working with us and came up with the first sketch, and and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that is that is part of the the whole creative part of business is, is really sometimes much more enjoyable than yes. obviously the numbers, and oh the yeah, counting.
1: Right. Yeah, it's not the numbers so much, but in the in the food industry, the hard part is really getting shelf space. It's mm-hmm. difficult. It's very hard. Right. I mean, and it's very expensive. So.
0: And now that everyone has jumped kind of onto the bandwagon, there's competition out there for other brands.
1: Um, yes, there are, but you know, if you having, you know, that we are definitely connecting with consumers. I mean, I, you know, we are thrilled considering, you know how. Um, a small we are and still, you know, still trying to, to gain more access how people find us because we really aren't doing any marketing at all. Mm-hmm. And we get very, very nice. Uh, people take the time to to reach out and comment on our webpage and send us, you know, thank you for these products. And it's really, it's very, you know, gratifying. And we really should is.
0: mention, where can people get the products? I mean, at the very yes. end of the show, I'll... Have you give sure. your contact information? But where can people yeah. find these products?
1: Um, well, locally, uh, we're in Whole Foods and Giant, and then we're in um, a number of great places where I, see, you know, families are, like the Please Touch Museum. We're down at the Phillies Ballpark. Oh, terrific. Um, we're in a couple of coffee shops, like Burlap Mean. Um, we're in Harvest Seasons. Um, restaurant they say they, they put the gummy snacks in their kids meals which is great yeah, <laughs> yeah. Terrific.
0: yeah that's
1: great yeah so we're in you know a lot of interesting places and we're on amazon.com and then through our website and through online. your website yeah. people
0: can buy online yes and you know what four years you had mentioned that's not a very long time no so. not not
1: in the food business no, that's for sure right you've yeah. got a long way to go yeah we have a yes yes and and the food business is very much a hockey stick i'll call it so you you know there's a lot of investment up front and then you kind of build the base and we're we're working on laying the bricks which we have and uh and then it starts to just blossom because you know and I, like I said, without you know, any marketing at all, people are finding us, which yeah. is a miracle. Yeah. Well, I hope people
0: find it today, <laughs> yeah. and I'll certainly be you know, talking about it, because yes. although I don't have small children, as you said, it's not really, um, they're not products necessarily for small children. No, I
1: mean, what happened, what happened was, you know, the beverage is is currently packaged for small children. Now, mm-hmm. we have a lot of other beverage formulations that the plans would be to, to market to older kids, uh, actually, for different reasons. Um, but the gummies really have proved, you know, that the brand stretches, can stretch to other product categories and other demographics because everybody likes gummies. I yeah. mean, we have adults eating them. Who and,
0: doesn't like Swedish fish?
1: Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's a substitute for that. So, yeah. So that's, so definitely um, we're we're not, you know, we're not, uh, we're not only Targeted at really small kids,
0: right? I would imagine it be uh, the universities, colleges, and universities. You know, some would be a are
1: great place. Some actually are selling them, which we've found out. Um, yes, in their their convenience stores on campus, and yeah, so. I, I'm
0: seeing sometimes they um, companies actually use college students to test market products. Uh, you know, I've been taking some tours with my children recently because uh-huh. they're um, in college. My son is starting. And I noticed uh, quite often at hmm. different universities, kids had tables set up with, you know, big signs, and they were marketing certain products, and that was probably part of the test marketing. Yeah, that probably is. We'll have to get s- thought. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get some gummies over yeah. there in Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if you can uh, talk a little bit um Uh, specifically to the women that are listening, um, and give some advice, you really have accomplished a great deal. Mm -hmm. I'd love to mention some of the awards that you have received, because I really, um, it's very impressive to me that, um, you know, you started out working for a company in accounting, and have consistently been recognized for your ideas. Um, You sit on a lot of boards. Um, You're very, very involved in the community. Um, You received the um, Best 50 Women in Business from the um, Pennsylvania. um, I don't have my glasses on and I'm not being. Pennsylvania's Best 50 Women in Business. Mm -hmm. Uh, Philadelphia Business Journal, Woman of Distinction. Uh, the Girl Scouts Take the Lead, which I think is a great, great recognition. The American Red Cross Chairman's Award. And the Philadelphia Chambers um, Emerging Company, which I would assume is for Fruis Brand.
1: That right? was actually Nutri-Farm. Oh, was that for Nutri-Farm? Yes.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's an award yet to come for Fruis Brand.
1: <laughs> yes. That's down the
0: road. So, I obviously, you're, you've been successful in business. And it takes I think it takes courage to um, kind of put yourself out there. And believe in yourself, and to develop a whole brand new company by yourself. Um, what's some of the advice you can give women who kind of have those aspirations but haven't quite gotten that yeah. belief in themselves?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because I never really view myself as a courageous person, but I but well, I have to say that um, you know at one point my daughter said that to me and it just, it was like a revelation. I mean, and to me, it more felt like, gosh, that just validated a lot of what, you know, so, um, but, but I don't know. I, I think, you know, you just keep get up every day and, and keep going and you do the next thing that needs to be done and the next thing that needs to be done. And, and, um, I think just getting started at the, the old Nike, just do it. That's mm-hmm. to me is the difference between everything. Um, They're just, you know, and I, I. one of my epiphany moments happened many, many years ago uh, in an art museum where, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't quite understand modern art. I don't quite get it. And I remember standing in front of this huge Jasper Johns full wall canvas that was white with one red line on it. And I said, "Mm, I don't get it. I could do that. And the guy next to me turned to me and said, yeah, but you didn't. (laughs) Well, okay, that explains a lot. So, that's, so, that's a great line. I know. And yes. I, I thought, okay. And so. But I would say, you know, yes, I guess inherently you have to have courage to just do, do it. And there's lots of ups and downs. Believe me, it's mm-hmm. not all easy. It's not easy at all. And I think one of the disservices the Internet boom did to especially students is to make things look way too easy. Right. And, and, you know, that's an anomaly. Quite frankly. It it's it's hard work, but that's not a reason not to do it. And yeah. I but I would say that if you're passionate about something, and that's key to me. I mean I I'm sure there are lots of entrepreneurs out there that just want to run a business, whatever it is, they just want to run one business or the next. I you know, I'm not that kind. I mean I have to really be passionate about what I'm doing and I, I'm very motivated by um Change and impact. I mean, that's what motivates me. So I think it's really important to know what motivates you. That's very important, um, and also understanding the type of business that you're going into. So if you are interested in a service business or a retail shop, I mean, that has that's has very different capital requirements than what I'm doing. Like manufacturing or R and D has a lot more capital requirements. So that's a whole other issue there. So I think understanding, you know, what you want to do is is very important. Get advice. Um, talk to as many people as you can. I, I found, you know, a lot of times people are really willing to help. I mean, they're really willing to, you know, give you advice, good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as you know, uh, if there's, you know, anybody out there who has taken a break from the workforce and looking to get back in, I would encourage you to, to seek out smaller companies, entrepreneurial companies. They would probably love to have your talents, and it's a good way for you to kind of you know, get back in into the game, so to speak. Right, Um, right. Yeah.
0: Learn at first and then, um, you know, see what it takes and then kind of step out. I think a lot of times, um, and this is for men and women, um, we often hear, do what you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people struggle with what is it that I'm passionate about. It can be more than one thing. Of
1: course it can. But I would would say that for me, it just – I just knew. I mean, when it happened to me, I knew. I knew that I, you know, I just, it was, it was a feeling I was compelled to do this. That's how I felt. I was just so, you know, wow, I really need to do this. And um, so that's how it happened to me. And I, you know, I think when you're really passionate about something, you'll know.
0: Yeah. Now I'm curious if, you know, at some point it's going to kind of be where it needs to be. And I wonder if you think that at, at some point in the future, you're going to be looking to do something different. I, or
1: I hope so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I also know that you know, my goal would be for the company to take it to a point where you know, it the brand has meaning and can sustain its meaning so that a larger company can can grow it and get it in front of even more people to be useful to as many people as possible but retain the essence of the brand and what it stands for. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's all I hope for and and I um you know, I I I hope that we can grow it to that point, and then you know move move on to other things. I'm very, um, I've always been interested in governance, like you said. I serve on a lot of boards. I have a lot of nonprofit interests, and but I do. I what I love about that is I really do continue to use my um, my CPA and finance training. Um, because it's it's kind of an interesting you know sitting on a board and having all that technical training but having operation experience is is really helpful and hopefully I add value and I honestly think as a as a woman I add a different perspective I really do
0: do you see a difference when you're out working um wherever you are working with women versus working with men
1: um yeah there's a bit of a difference I think um you know there's pros and cons um but I think women are, by and large, better listeners, um, you know. But men tend to be more decisive, I think. Um, and so I think a mix is 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 the ideal situation, right? Really, That's right?
0: Each offering Absolutely. their own gifts. Yes. Um, well, you know what? Believe it or not, it's the end of the show. Oh, See, I thought believe. an hour would be yeah. a long time. Right. And I want to give you an opportunity to give the best contact information. Um, to get in touch with you whether it's sure. for um any number of reasons. Yes specifically. Oh, absolutely. The brand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um our company website is www.fruce.com. That's F-R-O-O-S-E.com. com. And you can always reach me by email at D Divine. That's D D E V I N E at fruce.com. com. And I'm happy to to uh, talk to anybody. I, I love when when I get contacted by consumers or people that are interested in you know, budding entrepreneurs or whoever.
0: Right. I know you do because you answered my call and (laughs) have been very helpful to me and supportive of the show. So I'm very appreciative of that.
1: Sure. Thank Thank you you very
0: much. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. And again, my name is Susan Rocco. And if you have any interest in in coming onto the show to share your story, I'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to give me a call at 215-313-5561 or send an email to srocco233 at gmail. Thanks so much, everyone, and have a great week.